Graduates, class of 2012, congratulations. The road, I'm sure, has been difficult at times. Um, It wasn't all that long ago that I was in your shoes. And I find it a privilege to, to be your pastor, to shepherd you. And the three other pastors here, I'm sure I concur with that. Staying on the path can be tricky business, especially when the way is dark and lonely and dangerous. When I was a summer chaplain in Glacier National Park several years ago, towards the end of the summer, I decided that I wanted to head off to the mountains to just have some alone time with me, the mountains, and God. I climbed up on a ridge near Logan's Pass that overlooked this valley, and I, I packed in my backpack just a few rations of food, a compass, survival kit with the flashlight, a headlamp, not really a flashlight, my Bible, a journal, and I just hiked off by myself, something you're really not supposed to do in Glacier National Park in northwest Montana where there are grizzly bears and wolverines. But I did anyways, because I'm kind of like that. But I headed off to Glacier National Park, or headed off on this trail at first, and then I saw this ridge over snowfield, and I thought, that looks cool. So I hiked across the snowfields and up one ridge, then down a little valley, then up another ridge, and then I kind of crested up on top of this, this ridge where no trees were growing because it was too high uh, uh, above um, uh, the tree line, and I had this beautiful view, and it was by that time late afternoon, probably five o'clock. And I just enjoy the, that early evening time of worshiping God and reflecting on what God had done in my life over the, the summer there, working with, with people who didn't really want to hear about God many times, and some people who did want to hear about God and the chances and opportunities that I had, some discouraging moments. And I was just rejoicing and reflecting on God and his goodness and singing songs. And then I started to realize that it was getting dark outside, and as the, the clouds rolled in across the valley and the sunset, it really became dark very, very quickly. And I, a thought came in my mind, well, you know, I probably should head back to the trail now because it could be dangerous and there are grizzly bears and hungry wolverines on these mountain slopes. And I did pass some steep cliffs with big drop-offs and it's getting dark, but I thought, oh no, because now I'm going to see great view of the stars, so I'm just going to stay up here on this ridge and enjoy the stars. It's going to be an amazing show. So there I stayed on the ridge top, enjoying the stars and journaling some more with my headlamp, and then I decided, well, okay, I guess I better head back now. And I put on my headlamp and got my backpack and started trying to find my way back. And I I think I'm a pretty good navigator, but apparently I'm not that great when it's dark. Even when I have a light, it's really, really dark. I did not realize how dark it was going to be on the mountains, especially when, when these clouds rolled in and I couldn't really see the stars anymore and the moon was behind the clouds and it was really, really, really dark. It was crazy. I'm pretty sure I scared a couple grizzly bears along the way because I heard something really big rustling around in these small trees behind me as I tried to find my way back to the trail. The problem was the trail was only about this wide, and it's really hard to tell the difference between weathered, worn rock from people's footprints over the years and regular rock. (laughs) 
because that's all there is in Glacier National Park in these trails. And so I'm looking around, where's the trail? Where's the trail? Where's the trail? And I'm just wandering all around, trying to find my way back. I could see way off of the distance a faint light from the Logan's Pass Ranger Station. So there I am just wandering around in the dark, trying to find my way back around cliffs, wild animals. It was, it was pretty crazy. I was more scared, I think, that evening than I probably have ever been in my life. It was, I thought, why am I out here? This was so stupid. And my cell phone doesn't work because I'm in the middle of nowhere. The surroundings in our culture are really, really dark. The way of following Jesus in our culture in surroundings that are really dark can be very difficult and lonely and dangerous. If we face it, if, we be, uh, if we're honest with ourselves, we have to come to grips with the fact that life outside of these doors, outside of the comforts of Evangel Baptist Church and Christian families or Christian grandparents, parents, brothers and sisters, life is difficult and lonely and dangerous and the way is dark. It's not easy. There are cliffs and precipices People like to ridicule our faith. They like to maim the name of Jesus Christ. And if we claim the name of Jesus Christ, it can be really discouraging to follow in this way when it's really dark outside. And, and the surroundings that are dark seem so fun. We hear these other people outside of the path that we're on and they seem like they're having a great time. And it's enticing and it seems so satisfying. They say it's satisfying. And it seems so right now. And, and following Jesus, well, it's, it's not all about right now. It's about the future. And so if we're honest with ourselves, and if I'm honest with myself, I find that the way is often surrounded by darkness and loneliness and discouragement and danger and difficulty, it's not easy following the way of Jesus Christ and his path in this world. And so the question I want us to ask tonight of God's word is, how can I stay on the path? How can we stay on the path when the way is difficult and lonely and dangerous and out in the darkness it seems enticing and fun and satisfying and right now, how are you going to stay on the path? when you go on to the next chapter of life, graduates, you're commencing into a new chapter of life, one of adulthood and college and career and marriage and and family, children. How are you going to stay on the path when you're surrounded by darkness, when you're surrounded by things that are difficult and enticing, tempting, dangerous? This was the case for the young pastor Timothy, who Paul had said over the church in Ephesus. And so Timothy was pastoring this church in Ephesus, and Paul had written one letter to him. When things were going a little bit easier for Paul, he was under house arrest in Rome. But now the second letter that, Timothy, that Paul writes to Timothy is of a different tone entirely. Paul is now in a dank cellar, a cold cellar, alone except for the Dr. Luke. Paul is alone. It looks like he's going to die very, very soon because things have rapidly changed in the Roman culture surrounding Ephesus and Rome. The entire Roman Empire, back when Paul was in that house arrest situation in Rome, 
Nero was much more calm. Now he's maniacal. This Caesar Nero has gone nuts. And he's out persecuting Christians instead of little sporadic little pieces of persecution or insurrection and so on and so forth. Now persecution against Christianity has spread across the entire Roman Empire. And, and the young pastor Timothy's in this church in Ephesus trying to shepherd people, a congregation that are trying to follow the way of Jesus and it's getting really dark and really difficult and really dangerous and really lonely and really tempting to turn back to the old way of life. And, and some people may be trying to say, well, we can, Timothy, it might be okay to adopt the official accepted religions that Rome has and then just sort of syncretistically blend it with this Jesus, with the way of Jesus. And that way we won't get our heads chopped off and we won't get uh, doused in wax and lit up as candles in Nero's courtyard. That was happening. How would you live in an environment where your, maybe your cousin who followed the way of Jesus was doused in wax and lit up as a candle in the courtyard of the king? And that could be coming to you if you continue in the way of Jesus Christ. And so Timothy is surrounded by very difficult circumstances. And Paul writes to the young pastor Timothy and he says, Look, this is how you're going to stay in the path. Three simple imperatives in the third chapter of 2 Timothy show us how we can stay in the path. How can you stay in the path when the way is dark and lonely and dangerous? That's the big question we want to look at. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 says, So Paul, the apostle, inspired by the Holy Spirit, writes to Timothy, the young pastor, in difficult, difficult times. Dark times. But realize this, he writes, that in the last days difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form and exterior of godliness, although they have denied its power. So Paul writes to Timothy and he says, you want to stay in the path, stay in the path, by realizing the depth of the darkness. Stay in the path by realizing the depth of the darkness. Naivety isn't going to work here, Timothy. It's not going to work for the people following you because the days, the times are difficult. Paul's use of this idea, last days, encompasses the time that they were in now, then all the way through till the rapture of the church. And then we have the tribulation. So it includes our time in this idea last days. And we can think it's pretty comfortable here in the United States. We can still go to church freely and worship God freely and read God's word loudly. And we tend to think maybe it's not so difficult. But I want you to realize, graduates especially, but the, and the rest of the church, that if you want to stay in the path, when the way is difficult and dangerous, you've got to realize... You've got to realize 
the depth of the darkness. We all know who Tim Tebow is, the poster child of Christian football, if there is such a thing, right? We love Tim Tebow. I know the Pierpont's really like Tim Tebow. And, you know, I like the guy too. He's remained faithful in his walk with the Lord in the midst of NFL football. That is a miracle of God, let me tell you. His way is surrounded by darkness. There's this group who formed a website who I, I don't even want to say the name of their website because I don't want you going there. A guy named Noel Biderman, whose whole goal with this website and his organization is to help people commit adultery because his whole goal is to destroy the, the whole fabric, the whole fabric of our society and our, our what he would call just... Uh, moral trappings that hold these, these, this stupid idea of marriage and family, husband and wife, fidelity together. He wants to see that destroyed. And his organization has helped 7 million people have affairs. It's sickening. But about four weeks ago, just less than four weeks ago, he came out with this challenge. He said, okay, so I really don't think it's possible for Tim Tebow to remain this moral Christian guy. And so we're going to put a $1 million bounty on his head. Have any of you heard about this? A $1 million bounty on Tim Tebow's head for the girl who can compromise his purity. So if she can prove that she compromised his sexual purity, we're going to give her $1 million. It's nuts. The way is dark. We're surrounded by people who don't they, they, they don't even really want to stand us being around them. It drives them crazy that we say, God's plan for marriage is between a husband and a wife, a man and a woman. That's God's design. It drives them crazy when we try to say there is an eternity and there are two options. You're heading towards one, hell, and the other one you can come to through Jesus Christ and that's heaven. They don't even want to hear it. They want to make fun of us. They want to ridicule us. And they want to bring us down like Tim Tebow. The way is dark. If you claim the name of Jesus Christ, you're walking on a lonely path oftentimes. There's, a, there's another, another example. Um, there's this guy named Dan Savage. A journalist. A, um, a, a guy who's made it his goal to promulgate the message of an agenda that's opposed to Christianity and God's view of sexuality. And, and Dan Savage went to a high school journalism conference and he got up and openly berated the Bible, blasphemed the Bible. He said, in a sense, the Bible is a bunch of garbage and those who listen to it, read it, follow it, we don't even want to hear them. You guys are stupid. He used words worse than that. To describe us, describe us people who believe in the God of the Bible and follow the Bible and take it for what it says. About 100 students walked out of this big conference, but I was more concerned by all the hundreds of students who applauded every word he said. So you're in a public high school, in a college, on a campus, and you're going to have professors, you're going to have other students, and the majority opinion is, give me a break. That's idiotic. 
you believe in the Bible as the word of God, that God created the heavens and the earth in six literal days? Are you serious? They'll laugh you out of the classroom. That's happened to my friends. I thought it was really safe going to seminary, to Dallas Theological Seminary, and was there for four years. I found out not every student on campus believed the things that I just said. Most of them didn't stick around. Most of them probably really aren't headed to the ministry, but the same, even in a Christian, evangelical, conservative seminary, it's not altogether safe and easy. The way is dark. So how will we stay on the path when the way is dark and lonely and dangerous? It's by realizing the depth of the darkness. That's my first point. I want you guys to take that, take it seriously. That's what Paul writes to Timothy. You're surrounded by people that are, are trying to, to uh, serve pleasure rather than serve God. And it's not going to be easy. When I was in Glacier National Park there and I was... Uh, when I was walking, trying to find my way back, I didn't realize how dark it was going to be. And when I was your age, I didn't really realize how dark it was going to be. I didn't realize how difficult it was going to be to continue on the path of Jesus. Take it seriously. Verse 5, the second part of verse 5, chapter 3, it says, Paul says, of all these characteristics, of all these people, avoid such people as these. Avoid such people as these. I looked in the Greek language and it still says avoid. I looked on some other translations and they all say avoid or stay away from. One more, newer translation said don't have anything to do with them. And I'm like, oh, man, really? Okay, so here it is in context. Paul just said to Timothy in verse 24, chapter 2, though, to be kind to everyone. So, and, and Paul also said, I will be all things to all men that I may save some. Paul's also the same guy who wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 that, yes, we, we, we practice church discipline for someone who's been immoral, someone who's not following the will of God, but for those who are outside of the fellowship of believers, we do try to reach out to them. But there's a fine line there. There's a fine line between who's influencing who. You see, we want to have a relationship with those who are not lost so we can share the gospel with them and show them the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. And I want you to do that with all my heart because that's our mission as a church. That's our mission as the church, to go, to go, to go and make disciples. But you have to realize the depth of the darkness. You have to realize the downward pull of the darkness. That's my second point. I realize in the depth of darkness, but the downward pull of the darkness, and it's, it's, it's the real deal. I remember when uh, Stephen and I, my younger brother, we went on a, on a hike in uh, the state land north of my parents' house, and we liked to go off the path. I was about 16, my brother was 13. We were hiking around in February thinking we were really cool winter backpackers. And there's a tract of land there, about 10,000 acres. And we had our backpacks and tents, stuff like this. And we're hiking across this ridge. And then we decided, oh, look, it's really, it looks really neat over on the other side. So we have to cross this valley, this small valley. It just looked like brush. Not a big deal. So we started, started hiking across this valley and realized that it was a huge, half-frozen, snow-covered swamp 
that was really deep in spots. And we started trudging across this valley in our hiking boots that only go up so high and uh, started falling through the swamp, started falling through the ice, started falling through, and um, the, the water got up to our knees, but we were so far into this valley that we really couldn't turn around. It was farther to turn around than to go the other direction, so we just barreled our way through this brush that was six, seven feet high in this just swamp. It was a mess. It was crazy. And so there's some difficulty when we go off the path. There will be difficulty. It won't be easy. In fact, that's why you need to stay on the path. It's fun to explore when you're backpacking. But in the walk of life, stay on the path. Because the downward pull of the darkness is real. real. This goes for dating, guys and girls. When you head off to college or even here in high school, Naivety won't work. You can't do evangelistic dating. Paul says, what fellowship does light have with darkness? The answer is no fellowship. That doesn't mean we don't reach out to people with the gospel. But when it comes to your close friendships, you have to realize the downward pull. You have to realize that they can influence you as just as much or more as you can influence them. And you've got to be aware of that. And if you start to get influenced the wrong direction, take it seriously. Take it seriously. Stay on the path. Stay on the path. Because the downward pull of the darkness is a reality. Verse 6, For among them are those who enter into households and captivate weak women weighed down with sins, laid on by various impulses, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Just as... Uh, John Ace and John Bray opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth. Men of depraved mind, rejected in regard to the faith, but they will not, make for, will not make further progress, for their folly was obvious to all, just as John Ace's and John Bray's folly was also. Now you followed my teaching, Paul writes, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance, persecutions and sufferings such as happened to me at Antioch and at Iconium and at Lystra what persecutions I endured and out of them all the Lord rescued me and pay attention to verse 12 indeed all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution ouch I don't really like the way that sounds all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted so are we just not desiring to live godly in Christ Jesus? Or do we just have it really easy in the United States? But evil men and imposters will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. These two guys, John Ace and John Brace, are not actually, their names are not found in the Old Testament, but the history in the rabbinics and, in, and, in, and even outside of uh, Christian and Jewish literature, Pliny the Elder, and, and all these, these other sources, including the Dead Sea Scrolls, mention these two guys who were supposedly servants, magicians for Pharaoh. And they're the two guys who really got shown up. So remember the scene. Moses goes before Pharaoh, and he's proving that he's a man of Yahweh God. And so he throws his staff on the ground, it becomes a snake, and those magicians, John Ace and John are like, we could do that too, we could do that too. See, Pharaoh, this is, he's, just, he's just a magician, he's just a charlatan. 
So they throw their rods down. They become snakes too, but what happens to Moses? Moses' snake eats their snakes. Like, yeah, who's in charge here? These are those guys, okay? Their progress won't go on very much longer because it's folly. and They're foolish. They're charlatans. And, and Timothy's facing this in the church, but we're facing this in the church too. There are pastors my age and just a little bit older, some of them born and raised in Michigan, who are teaching a false gospel, who deny the resurrection as you and I would define it as Christians, who teach that heaven and hell aren't actually literal places or that you don't have to really trust in Jesus Christ to go to heaven. Everybody's going to go to heaven because in the end, love wins. That's the title of a book by one of these guys. That's heresy. It's been declared heresy since the beginning of the church. There are charlatans out there, magicians, but the prog- their progress will not go on for long. Their book circuits and their conferences will not last forever because Jesus Christ will reign and when every knee will bow and every tongue confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord, the truth will really be known and their way will really be known and they will face the judgment of God. But you and I need to stay in the path realizing, realizing the depth of the darkness and, and being serious about the downward pull of the darkness. There are people with the same credentials as me who are not teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. The label pastor, the label professor. I hope you don't feel like this is a downer message. But I think it's one that if I were to die tomorrow, it's one that I believe God wants me to give to you from his word. It's serious. I want you five to stay in the path and not veer off. But evil men and imposters will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Okay, so it's realize and then avoid. And here in verse 14 is the third imperative or third direct address. You, however, continue in the things you have learned and in become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. For all Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate or be equipped for every good work. So if you want to stay on the path, you not only have to realize the depth of the darkness and you can't just avoid the downward pull of the darkness, but you continue. Here's the positive point. We've got a light for the path. You have a light for the path. It's the truth of God's word. It's the truth of God's word that lights your way. And you can count on it. And just as Timothy had learned this from childhood, you've learned this from childhood. We've heard this probably all our lives. The gospel, the word of God, that's the source and our authority for our life and faith and practice for living on the way and the path of Jesus Christ. We've got to take it seriously. So I was in Glacier National Park and trying to make my way down there. And I never would have made it back to the Logan's Pass Ranger Station without the grace of God and my headlamp. I remember weaving my way around. And I'm not making this up. One time I stepped and there was nothing there. And I shined my light down. And there was nothing down there for a long way down. 
I was sweating really hard, and it was cold. I was praying really hard. God, help me get back. I just want to be home. I want to be home. I want to be home. I want to see my, I, want, I didn't have a family back then. I want to see my mom and my dad when I get out of here. And the only way I made it back was by the light. You need to follow the light of God's word. You need to follow the light of God's word. Timothy had been trained, but it's tempting. It's really tempting. You may not have a $1 million bounty on your head, but let me be honest with you. You're going to face real, tough temptations. The way is going to be difficult. The way may be lonely. You may be the only Christian in the classroom. And the only way you're going to stay in the path is by following the light, the word of God. That from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. On the back of your program, I've given you seven lights for the path rooted in God's word. These came from a commencement address at my graduating class last year at DTS. They're written by Dr. Dennis Rainey and there's seven non-negotiables. There's Bible references to go along with each one. Each one of them, and I want you to memorize these if you can. Cut it out of the program. Tape it on your dashboard, on your mirror in your, in your, in your dorm. Don't forget. Serve God, not self. The list goes on. They're a lot better than I could make up. <laughs> so follow these. These are simple, simple applications. Simple ideas that you can, you can use. The root in God's word that will light your path. But the big idea is this, just stay on the path. Stay on the path. It seems easy. It seems like right now it's the right thing to do. But the way in the darkness and those around outside of our path following Jesus seem like they're having so much fun. And it seems so enticing, so pleasurable, so satisfying, and so right now. The only way we're going to stay on the path is by following the light, God's truth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we praise you for your word, which gives us understanding and light for the path. God, we pray that you would equip these, these graduates who are entering, entering the next chapter of life for Catherine, for Emily, for Jalen, Alex, and Brooke. We pray that you'd equip them by your spirit power to walk according to your will, which is found in the word of God. And we pray that you would guide them along the path. You'd keep them courageous in the face of temptation, that you'd keep them stayed in the face of doubt. I pray that you'd give them confidence in the face of fear. I pray that you'd fill them with joy to serve you and to make you known through their lives. We pray, O oh God, that you, would, that you would help them to abide in the gospel and return to the gospel every day, finding forgiveness and hope and redemption, reminding themselves of who they are in you because of what your Son has done and because of who he is. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to...